I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. I heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Ducky? Oh, God! Oh, Jesus No mic tonight, guys. You know what that means, right? Party! Take the Cocaine! Yeah, that's right. We're going to do one of the best episodes of Roast Mortem ever. Hi! Welcome to Roast oh. Mortem. It's a show without Mike. And me yelling. I'm Tom. I'm Travis. I have 30 grand and I'm not giving it to Mike. Oh, shit. I am your Cody for this evening, and I, too, have similar funds, but will not be relinquishing it to anyone named Mike. Guys, guess what Mike said and why he said he wasn't here tonight. Well, trying to get $30,000. Oh. He's trying to get $30,000, but he's doing it at a bowling tournament, and uh, the grand prize is $30, and he thinks if he does this a thousand times, oh. then he's going to come out on top. But Doesn't little- it cost like $11 to enter that bowling game championship? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. So- I think Mike, Mike is the regular old Mark Maron of the show. I'm just saying. He's, the most he's a genius. He's a genius, and he loves self-pain. So what's up, boys? He's holding holding GameStop. Yes, he is a holder. Cody, how was your week, man? Oh, my week was good. Uh, Very aloof. I remember it it, it must have been like, at this point, maybe been like five episodes ago, where uh, I think I told you guys during my how was your week that I ordered something from uh, my local kitchen and uh, it was the wrong order, and I didn't know what it was, and I ate all of it. Oh, the pizza you ate, and you're like, what did I just eat? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Found out it wasn't pizza. It was ravioli. <laughs> Wait, you just, <laughs> you ate a you bowl just of ravioli. It, was ravioli? it wasn't a bowl. They put it in a pizza box, and it was extra confusing. That's why it happened. Wait, but it's they, the just, only, it's, they just slopped ravioli in a pizza box? Yeah, I think it, they were out of containers or something. What the fuck is wrong with Hawaii? Oh. It's not Hawaii. It's <laughs> fucking kitchen. So yeah, it's the only thing on their menu that uses feta cheese. So I did a little research, and uh, so apparently uh, pumpkin ravioli was the mystery thing I ate back in the so, day. Wait, so for those for those of you at home, Cody is wearing sunglasses, and he just took them off. It's like to reveal it was more ravioli. sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Well, I'll put sunglasses on for yeah. that. Uh, also, I didn't know you guys had fall over there. So congratulations on pumpkins on the yeah. beautiful Aloha Islands. That's what we call it. Yeah, I know. Travis, you're weak. How was it, man? Tell us. Oh, this my, is this is why week. the people come. So yeah, not, not for me. <laughs> no, they come for you, Cody. We want to know what mystery meat you ate. Uh, so for me, I'm basically like, I'm the new Silicon Valley. I told you I built like built like a computer. Yeah, what you got? It's cool. Uh, and I bought some more flashy lights in it because, like, I'm a gamer word. You're RGBing. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to go take. It's got a tempered glass case on it. Right? That's important. Yeah. So you can see the cool stuff I did. Right. The important. And so I'm taking it things. off. I'm, I'm putting. I wanted to put in some ground effects, some ground lights. Like I have a Civic. Oh God. And I wanted to also do some like internal lighting, wow. some combs and shit. Taking off the 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 tempered glass case. All the screws are off. I pull it out and it just explodes out into my face. <laughs> they like, always do. Like, bah! There's, Travis, there's many a silly YouTube video of like that tempered glass exploding for no fucking reason. 
Dude, it's it, got to be like a manufacturer defect or something. It went everywhere. It's in my couch. It was in my shoes for like three days. <laughs> Travis it, out. Like, it got in my yogurt. It tasted bad. Dude, let me tell you. So now I have this uh, this uh, reproduction Rembrandt that's just covering my computer <laughs> hole because I, like I don't want shit to get in there. Uh, but yeah. So I basically, I was like a soldier in Afghanistan and windows shattered in my face. Right. You have a computer that looks like it belongs on Hempstead Turnpike and it yeah. crashes as if it was uh, on Hempstead Turnpike. <laughs> Very the ventilation though. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, that Intel powered uh, Popeye's chicken. Dude, now, I just didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe a ghost stuck its penis through the glass or something. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what? God, God damn it. Yeah. Or, uh, not Cody. Tom. I said I said the mystery food thing already. Yeah. Am I done <laughs> embarrassing myself? Tom, what was your mystery week? Oh, my mystery week was you know, also, uh, well, Travis, Cody, you guys know we don't have lives. We're sitting inside rotting um, I, at the moment. I'm afraid this. I'm afraid that our listeners will figure that out. Well, I just I'm afraid told the veil's been r- pulled back. Hey, we can see listen. what's going on here. So I have a computer thing. I don't know, dude. Like I've been getting carpal tunnel, and my pinky's yeah. been going numb on my right hand, and I need that mm. pinky because I, you know, maybe I want to have fun in the future. I mean, so, the pinky is ooh. the most important part when you're jerking off. That's what really controls the shaft. Well, I don't know if I can speak to that knowledge, but perhaps, okay. uh, yeah, perhaps you have a point. Now, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I need to fix this hand, and I don't want to stretch. I need to buy a piece of equipment that will help me with this. Yeah, money. So, right. So, I used money, and I bought this Logitech mouse that is um, is a vertical mouse. Tom, I thought that was a sex toy when you showed it to me. It looks very strange, and it's like I'm shaking hands with a stranger for eight hours every day. <laughs> Is it a loose or firm handshake? Well, it's a very loose one. I mean, you guys can see. Look at my hand. This is the mouse I had and how I oh, hold it. No, he's, it's, he's holding it up, and it looks like he's just like kind of like slightly obscene. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. I don't like it. Um, it Make me uncomfortable. I do love it, but what I needed, what what was even more fun to add to my <clears throat> uh, desktop was not the not the excellent keyboard I bought too. Um, shout out to Logitech; they really do a great job. Got same but, keyboard, great. But Googling biggest mouse pad into the old Amazon and getting a tablecloth that has mouse pad material. I like this. I am just, I I fell asleep on my computer the other day. It was great. Very comfortable. And you guys know I got the tall bed. I got the tall bed going on. Now I have the thinnest bed going on. The widest. The thing I can lay down several children and put them to nap time and then go to my other bed. That's a good mouse pad. Yeah, so uh, that's it. Not that exciting. Got a mouse pad and I'm shaking hands with plastic all day. Travis. got two computer boys and one food CSI boy. (laughs) This is, we are, this is, this has been possibly the worst how was your week ever. So I think we should really move along. We should bury this one quickly. Travis, I hear you've done the research. Who's on the chopping block? I'm going to put this out here right now. What y'all know about liberalism, brother? Shout out. Libertarianism. Yeah, boy. Those are different Not words you said. Yeah. That's the opposite. Yeah, man. You know me. <laughs> I I know a lot of things about libertarianism. Firstly, small governments. Secondly, 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, um, thirdly, get off my lawn. Big fan of it. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Well, There's tonight snakes in my lawn. Don't step on them. Tonight, we are roasting the fairy godmother of this fantasy po- uh, uh, political movement. Oh, Ayn God, Rand. don't say it. No! 
Uh, hey. uh, oh, okay. it's this episode. All right, guys, this is gonna hurt uh, for me. Yeah, so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna listen. I mean, I mean, Cody, you intentionally avoid even outside of the show. Avoid. Politics. I know, and you're making me do it for the show now. Seems I've been checkmated. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna hang dong and protest. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a personally very conflicted person when it comes to, uh, I'm personally conflicted person. Wow. I need a new mouth. So what I'm saying is, is that some of my favorite people in politics are yeah. Bernie Sanders and Alex Jones. I am, I am beside <laughs> myself all day, every day. I don't know what to think. Travis, you're going to help me think right by the end of this right. one, right? So, oh, so the, the thing about Rand, I did a bunch of research on her. So. It's a her, by the way. A lot of people don't even know that Ayn Rand is a chick. Well, there but. you go. If you're one of those socialists, you could just, you know, you could just hold your mouth for a second, tell your libertarian friend that Ayn Rand was a Ayn Rand was a woman, and then they'll change their whole philosophy. Yeah. Uh, so, although Rand is cited by almost every right wing politician today that claim to espouse to any type of libertarianism, I mean. Both Ted Cruz and Paul Ryan stood in front of Congress and recited lines from Rand's magnum opus, Atlas Shrugged. <clears throat> Anne, Rand, Anne Rand or Ayn Rand, I'm going to go between the two. I've heard it. We'll get okay. to that. Me too. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Ayn Rand was not a libertarian. In fact, she hated libertarians. Wow. Now, her real philosophy that she created was something called objectivism. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No, but it sounds fine on paper. It it sounds like a stolen term. Uh, well, yeah, like most of Rand's stuff, it was stolen. Okay, well, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So, I've been researching Rand and objectivism for weeks now, and I must say that it is by far the dumbest, most contrived way of thinking I have ever come across. I mean, this philosophy, this philosophy, pretty much is. Um, it just states like kind of the obvious and then like how you shouldn't live. Uh, but we're going to go into that because, I mean, there's so many fallacies and, and loopholes in this philosophy. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like if you went to town on a sex stall with a lathe, you can just make any hole you want. Right. Like, yeah, matter. it's kind of free form at that point when you have a lathe. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's up, guys? Michael from Vsauce here. Let me show you how to make a hole in a pineapple. <laughs> Basically, when it boils down to Rand's objectivism is capitalist utopia this in a response to Marx's communist utopia. Great. Oh. Which, you know. So flawed. read it, read his book, and then whenever he says is, put is not. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. Yeah, learn a lot. So we're gonna have some fun with this pea brain philosophy in a bit, but before let's before before we get into it, let's learn a little bit more about this little Russian Jewish woman, uh, and that gave both narcissistic businessmen and backwoods MRE eating preppers strange boners because they both get strange I'm, boners from this woman. My body is ready. I'm fine. Uh, and that's right. Uh, like Ayn Rand, I said was a woman, and she was a Jewish woman as well. Which uh, I think some libertarians are, are probably with their Jewish laser beams and things. Uh, I've what? <laughs> you know, I have met a bunch of libertarians, and I get this phrase a lot. You know, you're all right, which kind of says uh, <laughs> that uh. there's maybe some strange thinking happening right there. Yeah. 
immediately before they said that, they asked you what your last name was, and you're like Saltman, and they're like, e- "You're one of the good ones. You're it- all right." Yeah, exactly. You just say, "Look, I'm in debt too. Like, I don't own. A- <laughs> I don't really run any bank. I, I listen. I've never met a single Rothschild. Um, I'm I'm like you. I I I peel my own potatoes. Okay. Wow. So I want to put out there: a lot of the real drama happens towards the end of her life. Her life is kind of boring. We're dealing with a, a whiny, complaining, smelly cat lady, pretty much, who is oh. always ready to take handouts, uh, any opportunity for any opportunity that it drops in her lap. Great. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. So the most American capitalist author in America is a Russian Jewish woman. Her name is Ayn Rand. And th- if you're like, that's a weird name. It's because it it's ma- it's made up. It's not a real name. All names are made up, but what? Yeah, and How I'm is not this talk- more fabricated than anything else. Well, I'm not even just talking like a pen name, right? You've got like Mark Twain he used a pen name. Yeah, this was a reinvent a reinvention of herself when she came to America. She was like, I need to come up with a name that'll make me fit in. How about Ayn Rand? So she <laughs> voluntarily Ellis Island herself. Yeah, yeah. She also she could have gone with Jessica Rabbit, and no one would have batted an eye. I mean, like this <laughs> Ayn Rand. Let me think of I'm the ways. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so her real name is Alyssa Zinovena Rosenbaum, and she was born in Saint Petersburg, Russia, in 1905. Okay. Now, if yep. you had to do like a a pick, right? I think I do this sometimes on the show. It's like if you had to pick a time to be born. Uh, St. Petersburg, Russia would probably be the most turbulent time to be born in the 20th century at 1905, right? Because this is right before the revolution. Right. Um, so like, as we know, there was a Russian revolution that happened during World War One. The Russian oligarchy was thrown out. Communists moved in. If you were a Russian peasant, this would have been the happiest time of your life. Uh, but for mm. little Alyssa... Uh, she who was 12 when the February Revolution happened in 1907. This was the end of her entitled um, cosmopolitan bourgeoisie life. Uh, okay. Wow. Shame. Shame. So the Rosenbaums were aristocrats in all but the title. Um, they were well off. They attended private schools. They had a large apartment in Russia's um, most co- cosmopolitan city, St. Petersburg. The only thing that they couldn't escape was anti-Semitism. It's tricky. Because, uh, you know, we're in Europe, and it's Jewish people, and I don't know. They just don't gel. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Historically speaking, enough said. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So she couldn't escape this anti-Semitism, and Alyssa was a very bright young girl. She attended one of the top schools in Russia, and she had dreams of going to one of the top colleges, the St. Petersburg Imperial University. Ooh. But the problem was, was that they limited the amount of women and Jews that could go to the college. So she never had a chance to go to this college. Because she's a Jewish woman. Yeah. <laughs> Got two, two, two problems there. Rough. Two strikes. Yeah. And remember, this isn't communist Russia. This is... Um, Oligarchy Russia. Imperial, yeah. This is Rasputin time. This is, let's throw our hands up. Let's spin the bottle. Let's see what happens. Right. So during the communist revolution, when Big Dick Rasputin shows up, or when he's kicked out, rather, (laughs) um, (laughs) when he's kicked out in the river, poisoned, 
Well, when he happened. died, he got the boner. So yeah, that's when Big yeah. Dick Rasputin showed up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Revisit yeah. our episode uh, about Rasputin, a man who liked to, to fuck. He died. Not how you thought. Yep. Yeah. So during the communist revolution, the Rosenbombs were displaced for a while. They traveled down to the Crimea to avoid the violence. Remember, they had the money to do that. Um, but at, after a time, they decided to move back to St. Petersburg, which was now called Petrograd. It's Soviet. Oh, boy. Because it's, it's Soviet. Uh, yeah, it's one of those. It, it's this time frame. Good. Yeah. In Soviet Russia, we call everything great and skov. What does great actually mean? Just like great. Great. Peters. Great. Maybe grid because it's like municipal. So it's like Lenin grid, Stalin grid. Yeah, I I I don't know. I I just know that's a good time to leave the country. <laughs> it's a good time to leave the goddamn hemisphere. Honestly, yeah. well, yeah, well, they're not. They're like we live. We're St. Petersburgers. Is that what you call them? Sure. We're Petrogradies. We're Peter yeah. nuts. <laughs> yeah, we're Peter nuts. And so, Alyssa, by this time, she had graduated high school in the Crimea, um, but. Now she was introduced to this new lifestyle that the Rosenbaums were living in Petrograd. Well, there was nothing opulent that they used to have before. They lived in a small apartment and they lived like the rest of their comrades, you know, like comrades. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing was, was these nasty commies that she hated so much. Now that they had taken over, she was able to go into that top college I was talking about because the communists did not put a quota on women or any ethnicity or Jewish background. Uh, okay, so because right. of communism, Ayn Rand Goes was to able school. to go to college at her top university. I don't know. Maybe I feel bad about this. I don't know why I feel bad, though. Well, because because, you know, it's communists and they're not that great. But also it's, it's like, ah, no, oh, they got the justice that. part down. Ah, no, crap. It's not even that. It's almost like the universe doesn't know what it's doing. Like, like, oh, you made you made Ayn Rand from socialists taking over and running things. Are, you OK? <laughs> Look, Co Cody, you, you OK, universe? Look, Feeling good? I know what you're thinking. I'll say it for you. You know, maybe we should have less women in college. Maybe it's like kind of a burden to have all these women who are just like smarter than us. I hate smart women. I Isn't hate more than it's, anything. It's, oh, my God. It kills. Oh, I hate it. As <laughs> it a man. Oh, my God. Look at these two proud Son boy Peterson sons right here. Yes. That's <laughs> Jordan Peterson joining like, your podcast and saying. Bitch, that you just used a word I don't know. Leave. You should not educate women unless they're your they're your daughters. And every other one's daughter is a slut. That's yeah. and that's only that you have to pick your favorite daughter. Okay. Uh, guys, so this not uh, that yeah. Hurt. yeah, that was that weird. That was weird, me. guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Alyssa dreamed about the she's going to college at the best college in Russia, which is one of the best in the world. Good. Even though the communes are there. Uh, and she dreamed about the freedoms that she had read about in America. You know, the place of capitalism where everyone has a fair shot at whatever doing whatever the hell they want to do, right? That's yeah. what it's all uh, about. Fair shots, yeah. So, I mean, she's dreaming about this, even though she's given the opportunity to go to college at a time in America when the only people that went to college were white men. That's right. There's no blacks there because of Jim Crow and uh, 
women just got the right to vote, so they're not going to college. Wow, Trav- no. Travis dropping the B word there like it's nothing. Wow. Okay, I, I think that women should have been allowed to go to college before getting the right to vote. I think that would have been a lot better for everyone. Right, but she's seeing this as uh, the place of endless opportunity, and it's like, dude, you wouldn't uh, even go to college. Is she a lesbian? No, that's a shame. I'd well, like to imagine prompted that. You. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, it's fine. You know? She's trying to talk, talk about opportunity. I don't know, Cody. I'm doing a fucking podcast. Shut up. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much. So thanks to charity and altruism of her Wait. friends and family, um, in 1929, she scored a travel visa to go visit her relatives that lived in Chicago. This was before the whole Iron Curtain dropped, so the Soviets were like, yeah, go ahead and travel. You know? That is that is mind-blowing to me. The Soviets just like, yeah, go to Chicago. Yeah. no, I, there, they There's co- some goddamn communists that stamped that passport for uh, the nation, the, the, the good... Uh, humble nation of Chicago. Let me yeah. tell you, little Jew girl. You leave the country, you tell me when you come back how you like deep dish pizza. Okay? I love Michael Jordan. You make sure you tell me, okay, little Jewish girl? You have fun in Chicago. Have they hot have dog. That, they have that big shiny bean. I love shiny bean. You make sure. Do your duty to your country. I just went Austrian. So, <laughs> I liked it. So, of course, she's sailing across the Atlantic because this is before planes. And she arrives in none other than New York City. Ah, where everyone arrives. To, yeah, you can't get to Chicago <laughs> by the Atlantic. No. And of course, this was so impressive. It made such a big impact on her life. Um, she's like, oh, look, it's tall buildings. Actually, she wrote back. She's like, I am just like a New Yorker. I don't even look up at the buildings. She was like bragging to her friends about that. That, but it's cute though. That's cute. That's like, yeah. I fit in here. This is fun. They look at my life now. <laughs> yeah, very, very Borat yeah. moments. Hey guys, when I get a coffee at the cart, I know how much it is already. So I just put the change on top of the counter. <laughs> it's just gonna be Ren Howick by the end of this. I know it. Oh, oh yeah, guys. I like New York so much. So Alyssa, Alyssa at this point was like, fuck this Jewish name. I don't want to be called Rosenbaum. I'm going to fit it. I'm going to fit in with the Americans. So let me make up a name, right? So she goes with Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand. I've heard it both ways. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because it's a made up name. Right. Like Whoopi Goldberg. It it doesn't exist. So a lot of people have... There's a bunch of like theories about where it comes from. So Rand may have been a shortened version of her last name, Rosenbaum, um, because that's what it looks like in Cyrillic. Like It doesn't look like that to us. But when you write in Cyrillic, it's like, oh, I kind of see Rand in there. Or it could have been based on her Remington Rand typewriter that she lugged across the Atlantic with her. I feel like that might be it. Yeah, it's not a it's not a uh, what's it called? An anagram of any nard? Nard? Like my nads? Rand? Any nard, yeah. Any nard. scrambled the letters in her name into any nard. Any nard. Um, And Ein or Anne um, is, some people say it's randomly a Finnish name, and then other people say that it comes from uh, Hebrew for I, but she never gave an explanation for either of these because... I don't know. Who cares? Like, who's interviewing her? So tell us about that name, crazy cat lady. (laughs) Tell us about wow, why'd you do that? Mm -hmm. I guess that just never got breached in her many public press appearances. Fuck no. 
shortly after the name change, she gets on a train and heads off to Chi-Town to go meet up with those relatives. Nice. Windy City. Now, of course, Chicago's great and all, but Rand is in America. And she wants a taste of real America. You know, the true grit, the spirit of America, right? Chicago's an okay place for that, I guess. Yeah, but where do you think, like, the realest place in America to go to is? Chief Keefe's house. Los Angeles. Vermont? Oh. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I take it back. So she goes goes to a beautiful city. Yeah. So she's like, I need to go to L.A. because that's where they make the movies. And I've seen some American movies. Let me tell you, I like the movies. That's the real America. Guys, no joke. The song I Love L.A. by Randy Newman is one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard in my fucking life. Holy shit. That song is like. That shit hits. It's not by Anne Randy Newman. Oh, turn the show off. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to Russ Mortem. Patreon.com slash Russ Mortem cast. Give Cody money dot com. Gov. So this 21-year-old girl, she's 21 at this point. Remember, I'm moving kind of quick here. Move quick. Uh, so she's 21, and she's like, fuck Chicago. Uh, hey, relatives, could you give me some money? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Go have fun. It's free. We run um, the banks. Yes. Yeah. And so she's, she heads off to the land of Harvey Weinstein's, and mm. she promises all of her relatives uh, back in Chicago that she's going to be famous, and she will give them all mink coats. That was on. I'm gonna give you a mink coat. Wouldn't wow. wow, never happened. Oh, <sighs> maybe they're coming. Maybe, yeah, maybe. She didn't put an expiration date on that promise. Yeah, yeah. So, so with that, we have Ayn Rand in the city of prolapsed angels. Right. Nice. Nice, <laughs> Travis. Ayn Rand's personal own Harvey Weinstein was none other than famous director Cecil D. DeMille's. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's on the list. He's on the Rose Mortem list. Yeah. Yeah. So she said that she randomly bumped into him one day, but let's be real. You don't just bump into someone in Bumping. the sense of like, oh, my coffee spilled on your shirt. Let me work in your movies. Hey, you look like you could be my muse. Uh, no, nah, he definitely just threw the tip of his dick around and she caught it with something. <laughs> yeah. They were in a pool hall and all the <laughs> pockets were drilled out. Yeah, oh, so no. Rand scores some extra work, you know, as like an extra. Um, and then she starts working as a junior screenwriter under Cecil. And I don't know exactly. They didn't write down what company he's with. Probably Paramount or MGM or some shit. I forget. Yeah, I think it was. I don't think it was Paramount. I think it was MGM. Because I think yeah. they did the. Um, God, I could be so off the mark on this. But like, I think Cecil B. DeMille, like he's best known for the Moses movie. Right. And like he he was he was huge. Like if you don't know, he was the original. Like he was the director version of Harvey Weinstein. Like he was that, yeah he was the Miramax. So it's a good yeah. you know comparison. Yeah, you don't just bump into this guy. You know what I mean? Like you you're giving you him a find tuggy. Him. He bumps into you. Yeah. Now she wasn't really great at this whole screenwriting thing. I mean, she always wanted to be a a writer. That was something that when she went to school, she was like, I want to write and whatever. She also doesn't really know any of the Americanisms, right? So she's writing like a Russian Jewish girl for movies. I'm intrigued. Go on. You know, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we jumped in our Cadillac and had a good old time at the soda jerks? Right, very unnatural. Yeah, so like, look, Ayn Rand, I had to sit you down real quick because I'm reading the script and that you submitted and while it has some good points, you have this section here where 
um, a, a family of 10 men uh, sniff the seat of, of a high schooler or uh, for, for, for 10 minutes. What is ten going on? I mean, I get it. The script is called 10 men in 10 minutes, but that's not really the point of it. You didn't like it was something else. Either way, what I'm saying is this is really dirty. This is what we do in Russia. Yeah. This wow. is how you meet a male. Yeah, uh, take a take a whiff and get on our our plane. We're Hollywood. We're we're family fun. We're yeah, we don't we're drinking and driving and family fun all at once. We don't, we're not this we perverted crap. Yeah, we, and we don't have the budget for the fourth borscht dinner scene. I don't. Yeah. I'm sorry, we, we can't get that in. We can't crowbar that in. But this is three. America. This is America borscht for everyone. Could you imagine if she just like, and then Charlie Chan, he comes in, Cha- Charlie Chaplin comes in and he is here like, what? what's going on? Where's the borscht mother? And the mother turns around and goes, the borscht is not ready. Go yeah. take a seat. And then the yeah. next Charlie Chaplin man, because she just like, that's her only reference. She's just like, I love every man character. Uh, I notice we have 35 characters named Charlie Chaplin in here. <laughs> and you, you, you wrote lines for yeah. All of them. For each one. They're numbered, so as to not confuse and them, and it's just the mom telling him that the borscht is ready. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, of course, so she's here. She's not doing it. I mean, she's working. Uh, she's working as a screenwriter. Working woman. Right. Good for her. But she was, like, steps away from eating her, like, owns her cat's cat food. And speaking of the cat, the cat, well, she owned a cat. Cat's her entire life. And she smelled like cat. She had that very bad hygiene. Um, her 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 apartment was always like there's cat piss everywhere like all the furniture was clawed um so this cat that she moved or she got in LA had pissed its way and scratched its way through the entire appointment to the point where apartment where she to the point where she was evicted and had to find a new wow place to live. great um imagine what Cecil was thinking he's probably just <laughs> like oh man I'm so burnt out on coke I can't smell a goddamn thing but you look hairy enough to eat mm. well I'm just saying wow. this is before sushi hit the scene in LA oh all right fair enough yeah. fish now like anyone who moves to Los Angeles it was time for um Ayn Rand to pick a lifelong addiction you know when in Rome you got to figure out what you're going to be addicted to right if you don't if you don't reply in two weeks they they wrestle you down to the dirt and ask you lock in your addiction motherfucker you can't keep us in suspense Ein's drug of choice was amphetamines she was a raging speed junkie also on top of that a heavy 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 smoker all right well i don't see any problem with either of those things you know you gotta take life by the ass and fuck it she's being brave she's being brave yeah. But we will hit some contradictions a little later in the episode. But I wanted to put it out there. She's a speed junkie. She's smoking tons of c- cigarettes. And she used to rock one of those Cruella Deville long cigarette holders, okay. which at the time was in vogue. But she mm. just continued doing that throughout, throughout her, her entire life. Like her fashion sense like stopped in like the 1920s and 30s. I've done dumb things. I'm not going to say I have the most savvy fashionisto. I saw you in that fanny pack. Yeah. Well, I I was just trying to, (laughs) you know, I like to keep my pencils in there just in case I need to rewind my tapes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I use mine when I can't find the belt. Mm. Smart. So right about this time, she meets another doughy-eyed idiot in L.A., a guy named Frank O'Connor. Now, Frank is 
one of many of the soy boys in this story. Uh, he was one of those uh, out-of-work artist types. He painted. Um, he was a complete pushover when it came to Rand. Uh, we, everyone was like, I mean, this was at the time people were like, uh, we know who wears pants in this situation. It's obviously not this Frankie boy. Okay. Okay. Now, anyway, the two of them get married and I don't know if they get married because they love each other. Apparently there was some gushy shit, but she gets her citizenship the next year in 1931 because she was on like a green card, essentially. Didn't want to go back to Russia. Oh, and interesting enough, this libertarian icon voted for FDR in 1932. Well, you know, dude, sometimes yeah. sometimes the party of putting people in concentration camps will actually shift a bit. All you know, right. it's you know, politically speaking. I mean, you gotta think like Abraham Lincoln, he was he was a Republican. So, yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes the Democrats did want to enslave people and take away their right to make any money. It's true. Or or wrench them out of depression. But that's a story for another day. I we will fight off record for hours on that. That's that's not why no, people F- are here. FDR, we're gonna roast the shit out of him. He's a cousin fucker. Yeah, he liked cousins and he hated oh. gold. Or he well, liked it so he, much that he said, You can't have it. Cousin or gold. Mm-hmm. All right, Travis, tell me more about Ann Rand. So anyway, this Hollywood stuff that Ann Rand was doing, it's not real art. She's like, dude, I need to do real art. I need to be a a writer, an artist. So her and her hubby was like, put down that bottle. Frank, put the (laughs) bottle down because you're drinking yourself to death because you remarried me. And we're going to go to New York. Yeah. Time to write plays for Broadway. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, If there's anywhere where you want to write a shitty script and get a bunch of people to go, it's the songs that keep me coming. Then that's where you go. There you go. So in 1932, they packed their bags and all of their cats and headed off to the Big Apple to probably write the prequel to Cats. Yeah, they packed their cats. I like that. Now, now again, she sucked at writing plays because she didn't really speak English that well. Uh, so she was like, fuck this. I'm going to write my book, right? She's like, sure. we know her as an author. We don't know her as a playwright or a screenwriter. We know her as an author. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So enter the first of four books she wrote. She only wrote four books. She wrote four fictional books. Um, she wrote a few nonfiction books, but four big books. The first one is We Are Living, uh, okay. which is basically a slam piece against the Soviet Union and communism. Now, We Are Living got her a little bit of attention. There was New York was oh, has always been liberal. She was like, oh, I'm going to move to New York. This is where all the big capitalists are, right? Because there's such big buildings. And she realized that, like, that, uh, like these guys are kind of liberal here. Like, I want to hang out with the, the the hardcore anti-Soviets. Oh, she fell for it. She thought the hard asses were conservative in New York, didn't she? Yeah. But, I mean, there were. It just wasn't, like, her oh, yeah. utopia, right? Like, I feel like h- hardcore conservatives in New York kind of, like, scurry in the gutter and then, like, emerge to, like, ah, like, scurry down from their penthouse. Like, oh, year end bonuses. What? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so she wanted everyone to know that she was the biggest fangirl of capitalism and that that she wanted to make sure everyone in America knew that America is a place where anyone can do anything as long as you put your mind to it. Do you guys remember Michelle Bachman? Oh, man. Well, who's she again? 
she was fun. She tried to run for president. I think she was I think she was supposed to be a porn star, but she didn't do anything. I don't know. She's just like she just seems like that. Look, I could say wow. this all night. There's lots of ladies like that who are just like, I like this. You know, like Sarah Palin. So so like, all right, I'm not I'm go. not trying to be like a total dickhole here, but when some of these like Sarah Palin's and Michelle Bachman's come out, they sound like the kind of girl who loves the Jets. And it's just like, do you even watch wow. football? It's just like, I just like the pageantry of that. It's part of my soul. White and green forever. And it's like, you, what are the rules of football? What's the first down? They go, I don't know about that partner. Capitalism, money. Right. So like, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of conservative ladies who think that way for their reasons. But like women like that, like the Sarah Palin, who's like, oh, I can see Russian and my, my son sells Oxycontin. Um, she's <laughs> like... You know, she's stupid enough to just get on the train, which I, I, I just don't think is uh, a good place for anyone to be. Right. And, um, so, and I think a lot of these ladies are trying to prove a point. And unfortunately, it is just the ladies who do that type. Yeah, oh. Because they got they got tricked. They got tricked by prep rallies when they were younger. It's not their fault. I don't even blame them. You know, they, like someone's just like, this is what we do. We go to the gymnasium three times a year and we cheer on teams that we're not going to even see play their games. Okay, be swim aggressive. team, yeah, be yeah. aggressive, right? Exactly. So they're just like uh, have that the, mindset. The, I, I'm hurt because the fencing team never got any love. Well, the fencing team is just like, what are <laughs> they doing? They're playing with a stick. Sticks. That's not football about it. And then the, the girl's like, yeah, that's dumb. But she also doesn't know football either. But she just knows. Yeah, it's just going with it. This is like, this is what I smell. She's like, I love capitalism. Ayn Rand is like, I love capitalism. I don't even understand it because I keep asking my parents for money, but God damn it, it's the best thing. <laughs> yeah. So she likes this attention that she got from this first book. And to be clear, attention seeking was something we will get into is not part of her tenets of objectivism. Right. Okay. Uh, so she decided to write a second work, and this work was The Fountainhead, which came out in 1936. <sighs> Have you guys have you guys ever had to read the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged for school? I feel like it's on some curriculums. Uh, it must be. I did not. Travis, I can't really read. I remember doing like the first chapter of um uh, the book about the two dogs, the fern one, the red fern. Oh, fern. the red fern grows. Which yeah. is like a hundred page <laughs> book. A good one. I did that uh in senior year because I must have been stupid. Thomas, have you ever have you ever had to read and study the goosebumps? I yes. Real oh wow. Realstein is one of the sickest authors out there. The guy he did one about a you know, say cheese and die. Now that's poetry. <laughs> I mean, I was more of an animorphs kind of guy. No, in all, really in all like seriousness, I was, everything no. I was assigned in school, I just like um, didn't do. Well, okay, so the Fountainhead is like it's it's basically the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged are her big works that everyone always recites and all this shit. Sure, it took it took her s seven years to finish this colossal piece of shit. Have I read it? No, I read the Spark Notes. I have no fucking reason to read this book. And in between writing this, she also shout out Anthem, which was her second book. This was like a break that she took in between writing Fountainhood. And apparently here that one's actually pretty good. Um, it's not so heavy handed, um, but Fountainhead. So uh, Fountainhead is Donald Trump's favorite book. I don't think he read the book and I don't think he had the attention span to listen to the audiobook. 
Wait, because he, he said his favorite book was a Bible on TV. Yeah, but he's also said his favorite book. Is he's got head. many favorites. Wow, what a guy. All right, anyway, continue. So I don't think he had the attention span for this because Ayn Rand was not a big fan of editing anything. That's why the book is 753 pages long. Mm. Oh. So Yay. it's not because she had ideas. It's because she had too much mistakes. The only, th- the only thing she would have her editor do, and this is like some weird like special thing going on here, is if any of the words rhymed in a paragraph, she'd have them replace it. S- stop. Explain that. What do you mean? Like rhyme in stanza? Or like... <sighs> Uh, I, uh, apparently, like she just didn't want any of her sentences to rhyme in the in the paragraph. Okay, so like ending with rhyme. Yeah, words. I think that was it. So like a sentence could end with like you know cat, and then the next sentence could start with bat. It's not like an entire embargo. Like none of these words in the like paragraph can like sound like another. I'm can, not too certain, but that's can you what imagine? I read can like, you imagine in an opposite world of that, like Shel Silverstein's? Like I'm a poet, but I'm not really good at it. So look, if there's something that should rhyme, maybe you can make it rhyme for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a you poet, know, and I'm aware of it. What rhymes with juice? I don't know. I'll just make the oh, editor do it. Caboose. That no, that is very silly. You know, um. Like, I have written 700-page novels before, too, but they're also... Those were good. They're diarrhea. Yeah, no, um, garbage. You can't write anything that's over 700 pages. They call it good. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe... Uh, I don't know. I've never written a... I don't even know the longest book I've ever read, but it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just showing you guys oh, how smart man. I am. I read so many books. So, uh, okay. And I've avoided so I'll give you I'll give you a little summary of the book. So, it's about this guy named Howard Rourke, who is the... He's a really good architect. But actually, he's a really shitty architect because he refuses to build anything that his clients ask because it's not his vision. Oh, right. He's like, I'm the best architect, but I won't work because it goes against my morals. Oh, so he's a prick. Yeah. Yeah, he's a prick. Okay. So Rourke is Ayn Rand's ideal man. Basically, she ripped off Nietzsche, Nietzsche with the Ubermensch, right? Like, this is the ideal person. Good. Good. Um, And of course, like, like a very similar Ava Braun's boyfriend, European, dark-haired, Jewish narcissist. Rand's perfect man and woman was always blonde hair, blue-eyed, tall, and Scandinavian. Okay. I don't know why they're into that, but... Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but skinny, though. Brock is still a little too... He's very top-heavy. He, he yeah. doesn't do enough leg day, and he does way too much of that other stuff. Very fun show. I've been re-watching that. Good comedy. Mm. So our hero, Rourke, gets expelled from architect school for refusing to do an assignment that goes against his morals. And he gets a job at a quarry where he rapes a woman named Dominique. Yes, our hero rapes a woman. Uh, But here's the thing, though. Dominique uh, was like, I kind of like it. Oh. Oh, uh, a a good old case of the she was asking for it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So our hero's like, it's all right that I raped her because she said she liked it after, later, after she cried. Well... Well, well, uh, let's this is like way on this way in at, on this at all. Well, I'm just saying this book was like the biggest thing in the 40s. There was a movie about this. This is like influenced people's lives. This book and our hero is raping a person. So anyway, anyway, this jerk off Rourke, he can't hold a job because the projects don't fit his vision. And he has this rival. Right. And the rival is actually a guy that um, makes money because he just like does the work within the budget and like 
So he's build, a capitalist. He does what yeah. is asked. He's a capitalist. Yeah, he gets a job and he does it and then moves to the next one. Right. So he's he's like he runs into this issue where he can't build something because like he's not good enough. So he has to ask Rourke to build the building. Oh, and all this whole time the chick that got raped raped Dominique is just banging everyone. Whatever. It's a very confusing plot because it's this terribly weird. Um, so, yeah, in the words of uh, Jesse Lee Peterson, she was a slut. Yeah, she was a slut. So, so Rourke's, Rourke's rival is like, Rourke, Rourke, you need to help me. And so Rourke helps build this building and it, he, it gets away from him, right? So somebody like takes over and it ruins his vision of the building. So he decides to blow up the building with dynamite and gets arrested. Oh. And basically the the book ends with him building Rourke gets out of jail and he builds the best building ever and he gets his um he gets Dominique to leave her husband and be with her be with him her rapist. I mean uh isn't this like what the Middle East is built on? <laughs> If it's really confusing and stupid, it's because it's a 750-page book that's terribly written. I thought you were going to say, if it's confusing and stupid, it's because it is, in fact, confusing <laughs> yes. and stupid. Yeah. I, I haven't read it. I'm not going to read it, probably because I respect my time. Um, maybe I'll read one of her shorter books. You're so brave. Read Anthem. I'm, very, I'm extremely like I said, brave. Okay. I'm very brave. I'm probably the bravest guy on the show. I mean, Mike is actually braver than me because he doesn't even come. But <laughs> I'm second bravest. Shoddy. Yeah. Mike so is no somehow this rambling behemoth of a book, like I said, explodes in post-war America because, I don't know, people like the idea of building big buildings and raping, I guess. That's just the mentality of America. Could you imagine, <clears throat> like, reading this book? Like, your wife is over there. She's She's... Like, you know, back in post-war America, it's like, this is the bedroom. It's it's white sheets, two twin beds. You're separated by a nightstand, you know. Oh, no. And you're reading this book, and uh, your wife's she's yarning it up. She's doing some, she's making a scarf that's very. Making a meatloaf scarf. Right, yeah, meatloaf like scarf this. with, with you know, Heinz tomato catsup. And you, re- and you read this, and you go, hey, honey, uh, what would you think if I uh, blew up a building and raped you? <laughs> And your wife goes, well, I don't think that would be very nice, uh, Henry. I don't think that would be a good idea at all. You go, well, I don't, I don't really think it is either, but maybe, maybe this this, there's something here to it. You know, I think we should examine this more. And then he goes and beats the shit out of her. Uh, that's what post-war America is what, like, from what uh, you've just told me. Well, yeah, so... I we've roasted Tom. You had a have a running series that I think is still continuing, right? The Goof Troop Riders. Yeah, right? they're the Beatniks. Uh, one of them's coming back. I'll tell you which is next. Okay, so, so sexy. So we've got we've got the Beatniks, right? This like very liberal, like free flowing thought. Thing. Big on pedophiles, just like yeah. like flowers and paper wasting. Really, future people. So Rand after future. when she, when she blows up and like after writing this this fountainhead she becomes the superstar of like the alt-right young square people oh. so, like the complete like college kids so like beatniks but they're like the bro- the college bros that like they don't play football but they hang around the football team and they talk about how much pussy they get but like right they don't the, the guys with hawaiian shirts yeah the guys so, yeah, the, the, the ones who say that i'm a i'm a one of the good jews one of those guys yeah, one of those guys. Right. So so she starts to build this like cult following of like young people in the in the 40s and 50s. 
Um, one of her biggest fans, I mean, we're, let's talk about the characters of the people, Alan Greenspan, the man that crashed the American economy uh, <laughs> again was, and again and again, again and again and again, was a one of the young, like 20 somethings that used to hang around Ayn Rand. Great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this I, I just like the concept of ruining something more than once. You know what I mean? It's just like you, you fuck it up once, it's kind of ruined. Housing so bubble? It, it's miraculous. You can do that again and again. It, it's funny that in Hollywood, if you're a boom operator, you fuck up a shot once and you're gone. But you fuck up oh, an yeah. entire economy. It's just like, well, that was pretty rough, I guess. Ah, mulligan? Can yeah. I can a brother get a mulligan? Dude, he's still a genius, but like who knew the houses had bubbles on them? I don't see bubbles in my house, do yeah. you? It's tricky. Yeah. How is he supposed to know that? Bubbles belong in trailer parks. Oh, so I did. Oh. I like that, actually. So let's talk about the leader of this Ayn Rand fan club, a psychology undergrad named Nathan Blumthal, who would change his name just like his hero, Ayn Rand, to Nathaniel Brandon, because why not? Well, gotta get rid of those Blumthal. Jewish last names. Yeah, you know, gotta get rid of the shit. Jew last name. We can't have that. Can't Tom, a... can you explain why people don't like Jew last names? Well, uh, where do I start, Cody? I mean, I At can't the beginning just of time. I can't just rip this entire podcast out from its roots. But look, the Jews are—they <laughs> have tails. They're oh, evil people. My God, Tom, I'm... you never showed me your tail. Because I, I only no, have a half. Tom has, ne my Tom tail has is never showed you his half tail. <laughs> Tom has never showed you his half tail. Yeah, my half tail. No, no, like it, no, guys. There's not. We we I, we can't go into this. Historically, the Jews have gotten um, a lot of shit on them, and also they happen to be the richest people out there. Um, I don't know, Cody. I don't know where to start with that. It's really <laughs> easy. Fair. It's really easy to conspire, like conspire against them because they're always outnumbered. Right. And for so, some reason, well, they're like you know they're the group of they're a group of people. They're they're fairly intelligent, you know. Wh however you want to say it, I'm not just saying that because I am one, but like like why is comedy ninety percent Jewish people and there's only point two percent of the population? Maybe they're just funny. That's it. They're, Maybe there's they're not a conspiracy. Ticklers. That's all I'm saying. There's not a conspiracy. We like to think there is. It's an easy way. Well, to let go. me let me tell you, this guy Nathaniel Brandon was not one of the funny funny Jewish guys. He was very boring. Let me tell you something. Most Jews wow. aren't funny. Most of them aren't. The ones that come through, they're extremely funny. They so shine. Nathaniel sent a letter to Rand uh, writing, uh, and he wrote how much he loved the Fountainhead. He's like, oh, this is so good. I love it. Uh, and he decided to move his him and his girlfriend, Barbara Wyman, from Toronto to L.A. Because Rand had moved back to L.A. in the late 40s. Good for her. Uh, now, Rand invited Nathaniel and Barbara over and was Rand right away was like, this is my ideal man. This guy, Nathaniel, this is who I was writing about. He's going to be my intellectual heir. Great. So it's like Rand a Mike ne Rand never had kids. So. Yeah, so this character's kind of like Mike, is what you're saying. Yeah, the intellectual oh, yeah. heir of certain retardation. Uh-huh. So Rand, like, tickled his fucking ball sack, Brandon's ball sack. He's like, Ooh. guess what? I'm writing the fucking new novel, her magnum opus, Atlas Shrugged. That sounds familiar. Yeah, so I actually first heard of, and this is a little side tangent, but I actually heard of Atlas Shrugged from playing Bioshock. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, maybe oh. maybe Bethesda happens to be somewhat anti-Semitic. I don't know for that for sure, but you know they have. There's a certain uh, quality the to original? Bethesda. Yeah, yeah, the the original is basically the yeah, 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 they yeah, took yeah. objectivism and they made it into like a weird sci-fi thing. 
There's a character named Atlas, isn't there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's if you play that game, it's uh, fuck me. Yeah. If you play that game, it's all based about Ayn Rand and like Randian thoughts and yeah. fuck like me. The, I the got slave, introduced. Yeah. I got the slave introduced. Chooses to that. the man obey. Oh, the obeys, the slave yeah. obeys and the man chooses. What was chooses, that? Yeah. 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 I I was I was way young and didn't know anything about Ayn Rand. I want to take a look at that after this show. Yeah. So Atlas Shrugged was her main book. And he's, she's like, yo, Brandon, I'm going to write a new book. It's going to be called Atlas Rogue. Uh, but she's like, before I do that, we need to lay out my complete philosophy. Because in this novel, I will tell you everything there is to my philosophy about life. But we should, like, discuss it. So Rand and Nathaniel, they, they start going to work. They're smoking lots of cigarettes, doing speed, talking philosophy until, like, the wee hours Ooh, of the night. Speed and philosophy cannot be a good mix. That's not the right drug for philosophy. No, it's right, not. Yeah. I mean, it's a great drug for listening to Venetian snares or... Most everything like, else. Yeah, a lot of other philosophy. Things. You know, chopping down a tree. Uh, that's Road trip great. to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to have a good time, do some speed, but you're just sitting down fucking smoking cigarettes and talking philosophy. I don't know. That's not a matchup. Have you guys ever so, watched people on drugs just talk over each other until like there's a screaming match? It's one of I the mean, it's one of the most fun things I've seen. I mean, my Dude. family phone calls don't usually last that long, but I, <laughs> I can see what you're saying. Fair enough. So, and they were bringing more others into this fold into the conversation, right? So, Alan Greenspan, I mentioned, whole bunch of like twenty something nerd, like conservative nerds. Right. You know, worst, um, worst. And they developed her philosophy. Well, she did. She obviously took all the credit. They developed her philosophy, objectivism. That 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 sounds like it has a fucking capital O and I hate it. It does. God uh, damn it. Yeah. So first off, let's talk about the name objectivism. So these uncreative pencil necks got together and they're writing all these theories down and Ayn Rand is like, I want to name it existentialism. We got to name it existentialism. Oh, boy. And then some poor sucker had to raise their hand and be like, uh, Mrs. Rand, like, this is, this is actually already a philosophy. A bunch of guys in France, uh, <laughs> Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus, they're already coming up with that. Right. I, I want to buy whoever said that lunch. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's, that's an important guy in history. Um, and I, hold on. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to get him a panini. Is what I'm saying. Let me. Let me change how you feel about that very quickly. Sure. Had this idiot not gone, hey, you dumb hairy bitch. That's already a philosophy. She would have gone full steam with <laughs> yeah. it and, and just and lost all credibility, which we, in theory, would have liked her ha- to have done. So you're saying she would have get she would have gotten burnt out reinventing the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she would have lost her credibility going, I got this new thing. It's called existentialism. And everyone's just like, okay, you stupid dumb dyke. <laughs> <laughs> so much like the name, which she tried to steal from an already existing philosophy, most of the tenets of objectivism uh, have also been stolen from other philosophies. Basically, objectivism is all about laissez-faire capitalism but with Aristotle, uh, with Aristotle's philosophy applied to it. So Aristotle was like, an A is an A, meaning like it is what it is. Like you see wait, something, right. that's what it is. That's, that, that's almost absurd in mixing like such antiquated and new age thinking. You, you know what I mean? That's like if, if you ran into a neurologist that still studied the four humors. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's so, such uh, a, a bad juxtapose. I can't, I hate that word. Juxtapose. Yeah, all right. We'll yeah, so, so, so objectivism is all about seeing the world through, in air quotes, reason. So much like a uh. boomer on a QAnon board, you see something, and there, that's what it is. Obviously. It's gotta be. That's what I see it. There's no such thing as illusions. Your eyes cannot trick you in any way. They're the gateway to your world. Right. Bad um, news for some people. So Rand got a little bit tricky here, and she was like, I think, therefore I am. How about try, I am, therefore I think. Oh, fuck. She well, did it. Uh, I, I can buy that to a little bit. You know, like, I don't see the air. I know it's there, but someone's told me. Yeah, but okay. So here, I'm going to blow a hole. I'm going to blow a hole in that for you. I oh, watched this, no. I watched this entire lecture from Leonard Peikoff, who was the leader of the Ayn Rand Institute during the 80s and the 90s. Um, and he was talking to a bunch of college students that were very, like, early 90s dressed and hilarious. But one of them asked, what about a mirage? You see, uh -huh. like if you're in the desert and you see a mirage and the and it looks it's like a, good a city. Question. You look like it looks like a city in the distance. Great like, question. That's not that's not real. And he responded by saying, "Well, yeah, the city's there. That's just a reflection off the sand. That's but, not how mirages work." No. Well, <laughs> it it I don't know what to do from here. I don't like, want to do the show anymore. It like at all. No. Not yeah. just this episode. Roast Mortem in general. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I I hate when people bring sand into the argument. I I'm disgusted because I have seen things that I know are not real, like, like the a kiwi. kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we have to take a tangent for that now. Okay, go so ahead. I saw a kiwi. That's all I got. You, you thought you saw a kiwi, guys? You don't have my eyeball. Yeah, so basically Rand would be like the, the fucking Kiwi's there yes, then. I'm the laughing stock no, of my friend not, group because I got high with a guy who killed himself and I saw a Kiwi walk in front of our car. And the Kiwi was the a fruit. Kiwi. Not the um, fruit. Not the fruit. The New Zealand indigenous animal. Yeah, and, Long Island. Where, what, yeah, okay. Is that North, North Shore, Long Island. Long Island, Park Avenue area, <laughs> North Park Avenue, close to Pulaski Road. I mm -hmm. saw a Kiwi. And After taking uh, mind-altering substances, you saw no, a Kiwi walk. No, only half of a weed. I was smoking a joint at the yeah, time. This is back when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, look, I think I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. One of them is not claiming to see a Kiwi. Uh, rather, I, I I saw a kiwi, and um, you know what? That's just how I am. Maybe that's why I, I am half lesbian and half libertarian. I don't yeah, know. So okay, so just to give you this guy Leonard, who I watched his uh, his lecture with the whole mirage thing, he had spent like thousands and thousands of hours with Ayn Rand. So it wasn't just like somebody interpreting like her works. Like this was somebody that like had these in depth. Like she, he was there with Greenspan and Nathaniel Brandon. Like he was one of the the people that developed this idea. Okay. So, yes. Whatever you see is real. Doesn't fucking matter if science tells you not. I can't believe. Like that's literally like the cornerstone of science. Is like everything is not as it seems. That's right. Oh, it, it, it's it's the antithesis of fundamental thought. In in in. In my humble opinion. Well, you sound extremely eloquent when I'm trying to tell you guys I see a kiwi. Um, I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Just, so it's it, just hard to believe, my friend. 
it's funny because nowadays you see a lot of Christian conservatives, like I mentioned, like Ted Cruz and Paul Ryan quoting Rand. Um, but she was and her objectivism are outspoken atheists because you can't see God. You can't see superstition, anything magic. You can't see it. You know what? You know what Ted Cruz can see? You could see the state that he's supposed to be in when it's freezing. Yeah, when he's but in he went Cancun. out for his Cancun vacation. You could see that <laughs> as he's passing by. I going, like that. Uh, yeah. Better luck next year. I you're, hope. You're I that? hope this whole winter thing is uh is is temporary. You, you remember that time Ted Cruz cooked bacon by wrapping it around his AR muzzle? Was that a thing? That's really? a thing. That actually <laughs> oh, happened. Shit. Ted Cruz cooked bacon by wrapping like raw bacon around his AR muzzle and then emptying a magazine downrange. That's I mean, pretty could... hilarious. And he ate it. He ate it afterwards. Oh, all right. Ted Cruz, uh, you know, it'd be really funny to find out, like, you know, once people start digging that he's actually not like, it'd be funny if a, birth, a birther movement happened on him and we found out he was Chinese. <laughs> well, that Canadian. would be really funny. What's up? He's Canadian. No, but it'd be funny if he was Chinese. I know, but it'd be funny if he's Chinese. That's all I'm saying. Well, that that yeah, that one Chinese providence of Canada. Yeah, yeah, the Chinese Canada. It's yeah, a good Ch prefecture. Uh huh. So uh, part of this thing, if your eyes are the gateway to your wor world and what's giving you reason, Rand made it clear to her followers that they should not use drugs because that obstructs your vision. That's boring. Unless if you're taking speed, because. That's not a drug. Well, speed, sp what, what's so amazing about speed and why I think more people should try it is that they get more day out of their day. Um, it's yeah, it serves as both the coffee and the alarm clock. It's Dude, I've, had, I've had a conversation with my coffee on said uppers, right? Mm -hmm. And my coffee was talking back to me. Because well, what accent so did it have? But, and you were able to hear and I eat, see it. Yeah. yeah, so it's real. The real coffee accent. is real. Right. Accent so do speed. <laughs> do yeah. speed. Talk about welfare. Wow. <laughs> have a ball. Mm -hmm. Right. So a bit, another big tenet of object objectivism is that you have to act true to yourself, right? Like I mentioned, our, our boy boring. Rourke. Our That's boy Rourke, uh, who, who was a supposedly a great architect, but didn't work because it went against his morals. Right. Like, you have to be true to yourself. And the only way to do this is through enlightened culture and art. Now you say, what is that? And it's basically, uh, yeah. it's basically just whatever Rand liked. So really boring operas, shitty uh, soaps on TV, and very boring music. Good. If, if she caught you liking anything else, something like, ugh, fantasy, ugh, comedy, ugh. She would berate you. Wow. And that's not that you, yourself. Yeah. And claim that you're immoral and ostracize you from the objectivist. This movie. is this is like fucking middle school P.E. teacher mentality. <laughs> like <laughs> what I like is objectively right. Well, yeah. Do suicides I, now. I, bitch. I do find it very funny that like, um, you know, the, the people who are following her like. Yes, we're getting political this episode. The people who follow her are the types who say, "Yeah, pull yourself from your pull yourself up from your bootstraps, go to work, become a manager of a store, and uh, that's and, and then you've done the American dream." You know, like and people don't oh, have wow. those opportunities. And guess what? Some of those people are just fat, lazy idiots. Not all of them. Some of them are really trying. But <laughs> yeah, for the sake of argument, when it comes to being yourself, some people are just fat, lazy idiots. Yeah, but Tom, we well, all of us, we work in a creative field. Yes. What wow. creative artists, or I, don't know, I hate to call myself an artist, but like what person that works in the creative field doesn't sacrifice their artistic ability for the client? 
Like that's how yeah. the world works. That, like, that's you know? uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. So when you say something like "be yourself," and then you know maybe in an alternate universe is like, I, okay, I'll be myself. I want to sit here on my stupid ass uh-huh. and and get fucked and yeah. fuck and have kids and not really care. Like there are people like that. I don't want to cut fucking like makeup tutorials. I want to cut big cream pie videos. Oh my god. Well, you know, you you're just north of LA. You could really shoot down there and, <laughs> and start cutting creams like nobody's business. Wait, no. <laughs> he's so far away from LA. <laughs> but he's just north. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah every... mm-hmm. So another gotcha. big tenant about objectivism. So right now we're going to the objectivism and we'll cut back to Rand in a little bit. But another big thing is that everything should be done for yourself. Right. Rand repeated mm. this over and over again that altruism or charity was immoral. You should not give anything to charity unless it benefits you. Um, you should not do anything out of kindness because it's all about you. Don't hold the door for people. Don't do anything. It's all about you. <sighs> See, I kind of believe the, this one. It, it's the gray area that it's just like that works. But would we be OK with a society where everyone practices that? Well, the thing is, is I think that this is almost like a follow up to, like I said, the um, beat generation or the Ben Spock episode, because remember in the Ben Spock episode, all of his baby boomers like turned on him in the 70s and 80s when Rand got popular. And it was all about me, 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 me. I don't care about anyone else. Right. Hmm. It's a recipe for disaster when you give people freedom and then and then they realize like, oh, there's people in my way. There's other people online. Yeah, Why can't I yeah. double park? Being um, a human, being a good human is important, but is money it, though. though? Is but it money though? Look, but money though. I, I know this might sound a way. But I understand this point <laughs> more than the, the Kiwis. You know, like, <laughs> what, yeah. is, what is even being like? Just take care of yourself the best. You take care of yourself the best. You close the door for everyone. Because if they can't get into the 7-Eleven themselves, it's good. You can have the pick of the litter, per se. Of well, the taquitos. They're, they're, exactly. They're not going to pick up that Almond Joy that you were going to get on your lap back from the coffee station. The last fucking one! Yeah. So... Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe I'm an advocate for that idea. So let's so continue before I in, sound like more of an idiot. Well. In true cult style, and this was also because she abandoned her family in Russia, she said, your family is not important. You need to stick with your friends that follow the tenets of objectivism. This right. is interesting. You know, because... Because, like, there's a whole thing of, it, like, you can't pick your family, so don't even, like, bother thinking of that. But what you can pick now... Is your friends and acquaintances and your OnlyFans account? Oh, this yeah. is true. This is this is also true. Those are your friends but, that show their titties. Yeah, and you bad yeah, friends. Friends. I don't see any drawbacks from this. No, I love my friends. But Cody, what were you saying? I can't remember. Titties came in. And, <laughs> titties. Sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. It, it's one of those things where it's just like it. It. It sounds alluring on paper, but once you have an entire society of people that are self-serving, it might get messy well, if those self-serving drives conflict with each other. Well, see, I think I think you guys are my family. Like, you're my friends, but, like, you're the closest things I've had to brothers. I, I like you guys. But, like, my here's dude. the thing. My, my dude. But here's... But here's the thing, though, is like I'm not be I'm not being like I like you because you follow this one philosophy. And if you're outed out of this club, 
I can't be your friend anymore. Right. Friendship That's- is transcendental over philosophy, isn't is it not? Uh, yeah, def- definitely. I mean, like philosophies and stuff. I mean, like look at the people Joe Rogan has on the show. They don't. Fu- he doesn't get in MMA fights with guys like Lex Friedman because he says a robot thing. Like, <laughs> no. In all seriousness, like, yeah, oh, like yeah. you know, when you grow up, you're like, maybe they think that way, and as long as they don't come murder me, it's fine. Right. Well, that's mm-hmm. one of the when uh, we don't really do. We haven't done too many cult figures. I don't think we should, but. One of the first things they tell you, like, if you're going to, like, cult 101. We'll get Mike to like, do it. Cult 101, get rid of your family, like, your friends. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the big first red flag of cult. If they, uh, try Tim shit talking, they try shit talking your family without knowing them. Tim and Eric's zone theory. Abandon your, abandon your, uh, that your family. is yeah. my Bible. Um, also, basically, another big tenet was that men were obviously superior over women. Of course, there were exceptions like Ayn Rand herself. Uh, um, and that a woman should always fuck whoever was the most moral, meaning what had the, had the most money. Oh, so okay, like okay, gold dig okay. your way to the top. Gotcha. I was about to say, is Ayn Rand literally combating the stereotype of nice guys finish last? Oh, wait, no moral means like bank account bank account <laughs> like potential yeah. Okay. yeah thank travis my world was crumbling <laughs> thank you for shedding light yeah and of course there's laissez-faire capitalism for those of you that don't know laissez-faire it just means a free free form capitalism i mean whatever stay, fuck you want to yeah. do well stay in your yeah let's be very clear about something that has never Uh-oh. existed in the united states yeah, that there, was a big thing. There are people who fetishize it who are on the right side of things. There are people mm-hmm. who demonize it who are on the left side of things. There's always been like um like corporate welfare preventing that from actually being a thing uh globally. So we don't know if that actually works to be fair. Well, okay. So this this is uh laissez-faire, laissez-faire. Um this is Gosh. I think the most flawed thing here sure because rand believed that objectivism and this laissez-faire and um her philosophy would lead to a capitalist utopia like i said much like the communist utopia utopia Uh, real quick for people that don't know what laissez-faire is travis oh it just means like um no rules capitalism the government uh, and i was just gonna say like so she she thought that if the government was stripped just to the military and the court system, everyone would be able to live in a carefree society. People would not need to worry about health care or um, anything because if there was no labor laws, if there was no one telling you what you couldn't, couldn't do, the richest of the rich would certainly give back to the community in order to progress science. Why wouldn't they? society it's it's, wouldn't they it's been fantastic i mean every time i'm looking for progress and making sure that like i imagine myself being in mitt romney's skin going you know we could use another staples across from the staples i just put up let's (laughs) let's go burn that building down and build a staples there fuck office max what it used to be an apartment building (laughs) not anymore no it's a staples now so she argued, like you said, Tom, America had never, well, you said laissez-faire capitalism, but she said, argued that America had never been capitalists. It had always been a mixed economy. It, it, it's, 
I guess. You know what? You know what, man? Like, no jokes here. There has been a lot of weird interference. Like, obviously, our government hates us and wants us dead. And they've used that uh, legislation to give out, like I said before, corporate welfares and um, just making sure certain companies stay afloat. And um, I don't think laissez-faire is exactly would work, per se. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not in Mm -hmm. the Ayn Rand boat with the capitalism thing. I think that capitalism can be very good. But um, it needs a guiding hand. We've botched it a lot. You know, like a lot Ah. of people complain about Medicare and they don't realize that it's illegal to start an insurance company for healthcare purposes. Well, like, see, I think I think what we have going on right now is uh corporate socialism. Yeah, it the is. The banks fail, the banks fail, we'll help you bail you out. Yeah. You know, they'll help any company out. They won't help people out. Yeah, companies no, for sure. are people. What sure. are you talking and, about? And, oh, yeah, all right. And, and I got guys, I don't want to get too preachy on this stuff because you're right. Like, I agree with you. Obviously, there's a lot of problems here. And, and uh, like I said, government wants you dead. They want to fuck you in, in your mouth until you shit out all the gold you're worth. <laughs> yeah. That's what the government is. That's the oh, role wow. of them. So, yeah. um, fine. Let's government continue. trying to get gold out of me is like trying to get blood from a stone. So I just, <laughs> I just, I just better find an infinite like supply of lube somewhere, I guess. Cody, Pretty much. Your grind, entire Cody. life needs lube. That's all that I'm saying. Cody, if we grind. And, you down we're gonna make some premium fucking like kona coffee i'm just saying bro mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we're gonna um, keep keep an entire dmv happy for an afternoon with your coffee it's good <laughs> so oh, she argued that america had never been capitalism always been a mixed economy the second we strip away all collectivism she didn't really use the term communism she used it collectivism oh we would have a uh a utopia really and now I, i'm reading this and i'm like America had, I think, the closest thing to laissez-faire capitalism in the 19th century. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This was a time when we had slavery. You could own people. You had child labor, for fuck's sake. You could just be like, oh, kid, uh, you go put your hand in that gear. Like, that was the closest thing where businessmen, they didn't have to agree to anything they could do whatever the fuck they wanted that's pretty much laissez-faire capitalism i think the only thing we had in the 19th century was like military pensions yeah like (laughs) one like this this is a little bit of a tangent but in my heart of hearts I, i i search for like what what's the most american thing of like the 1930s like what's the most american commodity at the 1930s and like a bunch of research just points to the Thompson machine gun. <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah. it is the most American thing from the 1930s. And if you actually look up like how an American citizen could purchase the Thompson machine gun, uh, it, you, you, you get a magazine, you clip out the coupon, the Sears, you, put, you, you, you clip out the Sears coupon. Yeah. You, you put your name on it. You send like, I, I, I think it was like $200 out and literally the Thompson machine gun shows up on your doorstep without a signature <laughs> ammunition included. Yeah. But and I'm pretty that, sure it that, said Thompson machine gun on the fucking crate. But <laughs> Cody, is that really even a bad thing? It It's not. I'm just attesting to the laissez-faire, non-regulatory, non-regulatory state of America during right. this era. Fair enough. I'm not saying it's Fair bad. Enough. It's yeah. just this is what you could do because there weren't regulatory laws. You could, you could fucking Jeff Bezos a submachine gun to your doorstep. And, and look well, what right. keeps happening. We keep getting regulation laws, and we're just stuck inside our houses uh, now. And no, I'm not no, even talking. Bump talk- stocks are illegal. 
Yeah, all the all the you know, it's like yes, we need some regulation stuff. Maybe not all. That's well, right. I don't so know. I, I don't. I'm gonna shut the fuck up now. Yeah. I don't care. I don't know what to think. Well, I'm just saying. So Ayn Rand was all about no regulation, and she, like I said, it was like trickle down, right? So oh. if the richest of the rich, if the richest of the rich were making money, obviously everyone's gonna profit. Of course, you're telling me you're telling me people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk who fucking treat their employees like cattle don't work. Okay, but anyway, Jesus. So I actually found I was like really stumped by this because I was like really pissed. I was like, we have had laissez-faire capitalism in the 19th century with child labor, and I actually found an interview with her. And somebody asked her this question. She's like, the interviewer was like, "What about child labor? That existed. Like that's pretty laissez-faire." And Ayn Rand's response was that, "Well, if they weren't working, they'd be dead." Okay, that's like called public schooling. I've actually, brainy. in my lifetime, I've never met a child uh, who was alive and also working at a McDonald's. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that was a lose. And, and you know before what the youngest that, age you can work is in New and York? Bef- before that, they'd be working on a farm for yeah, their true too. family. Yeah. yeah. They'd be, yeah. Yeah. So don't yeah, make any hey, sense. Ayn Rand, maybe that doesn't make sense. Mm. Right. So I mm. agree with you, Tom. I think that there are certain aspects of libertarianism that's appealing. I think the government wants to fuck you in the mouth, get all the gold out of your anus. But Ayn Rand was not a libertarian. She was an objectivist. It was completely different. And all right. the crazy philosophy that entailed, you either agreed with Ayn Rand or you were immoral. She would often hold debates where she screened her audience and panel and whenever someone asked a serious question that she didn't agree with, she said, I'm not doing it. It's immoral for me to answer your question uh, and accuse you of being a collectivist. Wow. That's, uh, oh you God. know, that's something else. Ayn Rand was one of also the first people to start throwing around the you're literally Hitler thing. She called Kennedy a fascist and said he was literally Hitler. My God. Yeah. You <laughs> see the way he killed 6,000 of his own brain cells like that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I he him. probably he probably lost about six thousand brain cells coming in Marilyn Monroe. I'm just gonna say, oh, he definitely or, lost you know, those terabytes, you know, and yeah. you know, or you know, in that one car ride, he definitely lost some brain cells. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. Oh, he okay. lost all those. He killed brain cells. You know, uh, I, that's what I was See, saying. My, Maybe my mind was bla- yeah. brain cells blown in amazing sex. With I was just thinking of a out. terrible. Both, event. both are hilarious jokes that, that are macabre. <laughs> Sometimes Dallas, Texas is the butt end of a joke. Uh, the first thing, it, it's funny because the way she ran her objectivist cult, and she hated that word, uh, was very fascist. Uh, and she also <laughs> hated being called a fascist. But it, what fascism is, is a group of people that, um, you know, they, they all follow the same moral code and they work in unison for their leader. And that's exactly what she was. Everyone listened to her. Ah. And there was a group of objectivists listening to her. She was the ultimate person. You know, like I said, you couldn't. Oh, dude, have you seen Family Guy? So funny. And she's like, <laughs> you see you're Peter immoral. Griffin fight that chicken. You're immoral. You need to watch PBS, but not by the government. PBS. Good metaphor. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to more of her life that was objectivism kind of i'm glad we had that spitball of kind of what it was 
Um, but back to her life. So remember that guy, Nathaniel Brandon, her prodigy, right? Mm-hmm. Brandon marries his girlfriend, Barbara, even though he couldn't get it up, which was something that he talked to Rand about. <laughs> okay. And Barbara and Nathaniel moved to New York. So Rand was like, drags Frank, who's like halfway in the bottle, her husband. Like, we're going back to New York again. So I want to be around Brandon. He's my prodigy. So Brandon co-founds the objectivist publishing organization with Rand. And he starts to set her up with doing speech tours at colleges. And they're always like sold out, like tons of fucking nerdy pencil neck boys showing up. Um, And her inner objectivist circle starts to grow. So like these Alan Greenspans and nerds discussing her fascist objectivist theory. And one of the things Rand does that's super culty is she makes it mandatory that everyone in this inner circle in New York had to take therapy from Brand from Nathaniel Brandon. Well, that's a good way to uh, ensure mm. an income. Um, mm. Did they have to uh, buy his therapy beret? Well, he also did not finish psychology school, so he wasn't even licensed to be a therapist. Laissez-faire. You Stop. know, if I could listen to you, then you could pay me to do it. Can we have roast mortem branded therapy berets? <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. The therapy beret. Come on in. Just sit on the couch. On. The couch might be made of, of uh, a, a pillow. It might be in a crack den, but mm-hmm. you can you can talk to me. I have ears. With this beret. I, I have the proof. I listen to a podcast run run by three drunks. And, and a, and sometimes a, four. Sometimes four. Sometimes four. He's missing a tooth, but he's um, somehow the most reliable in not and showing up. It's weird. So, so they'd all have these therapy sessions where they said, you know, when you go to a therapist, you're like you could say anything to them, and they're legally not supposed to tell anyone. Yeah, but well, also like he doesn't have a license, so he doesn't have a license. <laughs> I guess. So, oh no! So Brendan would take any information and hand it off to Rand. And anyone that was dissenting on their cause of objectivism. And Rand would release sensitive material to the group to out people. Right. It was just penis size, mostly. Yeah, mainly penis size. Ayn Rand's like, you have to have a, an eight-inch penis to be a real American like <laughs> me. And everyone's like, wow. well, that's ridiculous. Oh, and of course, she was part of the U.S. defense uh, witness for the Red Scare the testimony given from Roy Cohen, a person we roasted, wow. and McCarthy alongside Walt Disney. Right. And she helped convict uh, the Hollywood 10 blacklist thing. Right. She was there. Um, and around this time, she started to wear her signature dollar sign brooch. Very gaudy. It's a little Ooh. dollar sign on her Interesting. collar. Um, and she was like, dude, I have to wear this because this is a symbol of freedom. Hmm. Dollar sign. Cash yes. rules everything around me, as as the cream would say. Look, I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. I really am. So Rand works 10 years on her magnum opus, The Atlas Shrugged, and it was originally released in 1957. Really? A decade for that? Yes. Um, at this point, uh, there was a lot of publishers that wanted to publish it, but Rand was a tough one. Like I said, she refused to edit anything in her book. And the book was a whopping 1,168 pages long. 
Uh, look, Miss Rand, look, we'd love to put out your book, but there's several pages that concern us. One of them is just a shopping list. It's just milk and yeah. eggs and all <laughs> this crap. Oregano. Who gets oregano in the 1940s? <laughs> we're not Italy. It's it's cheese country. Um, look, we're hoping Thank we'd be able country. to cut a few of these things. Maybe maybe your manifesto, maybe your boyfriend's phone number. Well, just to give you a reference, Tom, there is a 66 or a 60 page long speech from her hero describing objectivism. No, no. You're reading just somebody talking. That's bad writing. Pages. That's bad no, writing. Bad writing. And, because that's like is, that's like listening to us all day. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just the fact that she thinks she's too good for what is, in essence, an intrinsic part of the publishing process. Yeah, she's so, she, she has her head up her ass if she's just like, I don't need editing. Well, that, when that, that would went, be like if, you know, you you hired a surgeon. That's like, I don't need to in, make an incision. Right. So like, she went like, she went to Random House. Cody, she went to Random House and they're like, we'll publish this for you, but you need to cut some shit, Rand. Like, it's too long. And she goes, would you cut the Bible? Which is really dumb because the Bible has been revised. Bible's cut tons to and shit. tons and tons of times. Yeah, many but- times. More, It's been cut more than it's not been cut. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> the Bible is literally a fishing net somebody cut into a bathrobe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And just I, I, I don't look at it as anything other than a like a multi-sourced like patchwork or pastiche. Right. So Listen, speaking of, of sorry, course, what is you, you want to edit my my very important book in my speech at 60 pages? Would you get onion rings? <laughs> I like onion rings. With, with whoppers? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So eventually she does find someone to publish this fucking shitty book. Oh, she finds an um, idiot. Yeah. Um, and the thing about, I mentioned the Bible. The thing about Rand is that a lot of people that follow are these objectivists and also people today that like, Ayn Rand will quote Atlas Shrugs much like the Bible. They'll have like recite lines and say the page number and the paragraph, which like is it's like, some kind of authority and not some like yeah. refugee, like Eastern European, like Jewish, like author that uh, <laughs> like was not naturalized with American ideals, but rather introduced with them. It's like yeah, Bane. Guys, let me. He was just like, I was born in the darkness. Can we all get on the same page here? Reciting something is dumb. Yes. Very dumb. Like, just have yeah, a conversation. Maybe try to summarize something. your own thoughts. Remixing yeah. something. That's where the genius comes from. I'm very unsmart sometimes, but I try. Same. That was one of the big things that uh, she was actually impressed by, that guy, Nathaniel Brandon. He showed up to her house in L.A. and could just recite um, a Fountainhead from, like, front to tail. Just, like, read it. Oh, so brain. he's an autistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, so basically, uh, Atlas Shrugged, I'll give you a very brief summar- summary of it. It's basically, if all of the businessmen and intellectuals went on strike, so it's like reverse, oh my God, the workers can't go on strike. What yeah. if all the fucking business owners go on strike? Right. So she refer- refers to everyone that isn't loaded as second-handers, basically human cattle that are just mooching the system. John Galt, the hero of, of the book, basically advocates towards a world genocide while the rich people watch the regular people of the world starve while they eat lobster dinners in a mountain silo. Because why not? Yeah. Because why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? This is there's, a lot of people. There's lobsters books. in mountains, right? Mark Cuban, dude, this is his favorite book. 
Mark Rubin? What's his name? Mark Cuban. Sorry, had it Mark r- Rubin Cuban. You keep confusing his last name with sandwiches. It's all... <laughs> this is his favorite book. Um, all right. For the most part, Atlas Shrugged was panned at the time. Really? for rich people and objectivists. Wow. Uh, papers called her a... <laughs> called the book a howl from a harpy wielding a battering ram. All I right. like this. She's, um, a, she's a whore ready to destroy your house with the tools uh, to do it. Her ideas were compared to the extermination of Jews as she showed no compassion for human life, as in the book, they just let everyone starve to death. Wow. A, a, the New Yorker mockingly said that the globe's two billion incompetence having starved to death, will finally know better than the fool around with businessmen. Fantastic. Wow. Um, also, surprisingly, Rand's vision was very reminiscent of Soviet Russia, the state that she apparently hated, as big businessmen were always allowed to watch over their, um, you know, uh, second-handers. And one paper yeah. put, put it as, big sister Rand is watching you. Right. It's it's a uh, you know, she's she's an abused housewife of of nations states. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not even a, she's abusing her husband. <laughs> well, no, hear does me. Does he out. like it? Hear me out. She's criticizing this one place and it's just like they did it the wrong way. I don't even know. I haven't been there that long. I've been writing. But, you know, it's the worst. And then, uh, you know, maybe we should do it more like that. But we could do it better because. Yeah. Because I, I love him. Because he has a Harley. Yeah. Because when he beats me up the next day, he goes, sorry for being so drunk yesterday. Can we? Can I bring you an IHOP? <laughs> you know, the other guy, he would just beat you up and go make me at the pancake. <laughs> so oh. besides oh, no. the panning, these objectivist oh, no. youngins like Alan Greenspan and um, Nathaniel Brandon, were hard at work keeping her philosophy alive during the 60s, and it led to a resurgence of uh, Atlas Shrugged for the me-centric generation that arose in the 70s and 80s. Right. What was that called again? Today. The me generation. Oh, a.k.a. The boomers. Oh, oh thanks. Yeah. Boomington. So this guy, Nathaniel Brandon. All right. So Rand was in her late 50s. He was in his 20s. Rand's hole was filled with cobwebs because Frank was Mm -hmm. drinking himself to death. He was like, she's like, Brandon, I'm obviously the most intelligent, moral woman you've ever met. And I know you're married and I'm married, but we should have an affair. (laughs) I I like to highlight moral, you know, maybe this is just the Mount Rushmore you need to climb right now, daddy. Mm -hmm. Maybe you got to dive into this this. Uh, nerds, nerds feeling clit of mine. Yeah. Um, it's a rock that I had embedded in there. It's which, actually a kidney stone. It's a kidney stone that I shit out the wrong direction. Yeah, I'm gonna moral all over your chest and stomach. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I've been drinking, so none of these thoughts are really clicking right now. Yeah, so bear with me, everyone. That's fine. So both of them brought their prospective partners together. So Frank O'Connell, O'Connor, and Barbara. And Rand was like, Brandon and I are going to, we love each other and we're going to fuck. And you guys cool with that? And before they responded, she was like, all right, that's cool. So with that, Brandon was getting that smelly cat lady pussy. Because as I mentioned, Rand was not a big fan of hygiene. She wouldn't change her clothes or shower for weeks on end. Uh, Brandon, Brandon would come over, say hi to Frank, and then ran Frank, Rand's husband, and then bone her out on their bed that they slept on. To quote the great philosopher Owen Wilson, Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, that is. Uh, what's that word? They let's use cuck a lot. These people. <laughs> I never. Um, what? What? Yeah, you yeah, know the guy new. Frank's just sitting there on the couch, you know, elbows elbows on his knees, holding a bottle of liquor, deep. going, "Yeah, fuck my wife." Well, he was. <laughs> you he was, have a good fuck with my wife. Yeah, he passed his time uh, while they were fucking. He was a florist and a painter. Some very uh, shitty paintings uh, he drew. Yeah. Very bad paintings. Yeah. It's not good. And a florist. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fucking. It's really good with floors. love the level shit so now in Rand's mind this affair made sense she was a powerful woman the most powerful woman and Brandon who was like a son to her which is weird was the model uh, objectivist man he was you know outstanding well built right whatever tall so so the sex yeah the sex was fine because you know as you you just say you got to bone upwards Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like this in comedy, you always got to punch up. Yeah. In the bed, you always got to bone up. So this went on for about seven years. Eventually, Nathaniel's wife Barbara had enough, and the two got separated. Now, by this time, Nathaniel was an objectivist star. Remember, it sounds like kind of like old timey to be like this hardcore libertarian or whatever. But these were like the these were the anti beatniks. This is all young people, right? Right. You uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. Which, you know, interestingly enough, I think the modern day version of this has done like a lot more of a print in society than than the Atlas Shrug objectivists of yesteryear. You know, like no one just brings this up casually when they're talking about the 60s and 70s. No, 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 no. no, no. Like they're not like, oh, yeah, you remember all those Ayn Rand people? Yeah. Yeah, Right. I'm sorry they run the country. but. Yeah, they're all their cut hair and shaved faces. Yeah, all their all Fuck their em. strong women and and soft men stuff. I don't even know what's yeah. going on, to be honest. Do you see the so, jawline on these women? <laughs> yeah. So Nathaniel's an objectivist superstar. He's giving these speeches everywhere. He's a handsome man. Of course, there's going to be women who follow in Ayn Rand's own philosophy of trying to fuck upwards, right? Uh, right. So she, she's like following she's an, in her vulva steps. Yeah, she's an old bag. He's like in the prime of his life, right? So there's there's other people that are like, you know, oh, Nathaniel, he's a nice looking guy. Enter a 23-year-old newlywed, total block at, uh, knockout. I don't, I forgot her name. I didn't write it down. Mm. <laughs> okay. But uh, all of a sudden, Nathaniel starts to distance himself from Rand sexually, who is now in her 60s. Right. He's like, so standard protocol. 30s. Rand starts to get suspicious. He's like, she's like, what's going on? I need to hold like some weird intervention thing. Because she, she was always up in his business. So she was a mom. Uh, she was yeah. that she was a mom. Right. Yeah. This is the incest porn that you people are into. Yeah. So she holds this intervention. She gets Nathaniel, his ex-wife, Barbara, and her husband, Frank, who I'm assuming really didn't give a fuck. He just well, Yeah. Why would life. either of those people care? <laughs> They're like, yeah, <laughs> look, she's tired. He, the man's tired of you. He's a gorgeous mid 20s guy. He wants to fuck his Alexis, Texas. Leave him alone. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, Rand gets it out of Brendan that, um, and he admitted that he's fucking a younger woman, and she flips out. And it isn't well. Apparently, it isn't because she's a uh, younger, hotter 
chick. It's because she does is not an ideal individual like Rand is. Right. That's that's the guard, well, you know. But really, yeah. at the end of the day, she just misses getting a cum shot while he's going laissez faire. Like she's <laughs> she's deprived of this. You know, she's yeah. stinky. She's a cat person. No one actually likes her. She tricked a good one for a few months and then he's out. Right. So she he automatically remember I said when you fuck up in this group, you're out. So you're imperfect once you fuck up. Yeah. So Brandon, for sticking his PP in the wrong person, is deemed an immoral objectivist. And Rand pretty much sets out to ruin his life. Um, <laughs> the, remember, they had a, a joint affair. Remember, laws affair. Laws affair. They had a joint public um, objectivist publication. Rand has him removed. Um, she had actually dedicated Atlas Shrugged in the original copies. We get an original one. It's dedicated to her husband, Frank O'Connell, and her intellectual protege, Nathaniel Brandon. From all the copies onward, Nathaniel was removed. Ah, huh. that's, that's, uh, that's a move. And, and she just completely outed him and blackmailed him out of the objectivist community because she mm. was going to, he was going to come clean, but he was like too much of a cucky boy to like fuck over his idol. It was like this weird fucking thing going on. But he's just completely written out of her life. There's some kind of pun I'm missing with a white female using black male to get what she wants. <laughs> I believe it's called um, She Gave Him a Riley Reading. That's cool. Yeah. So this miserable cunt, Ayn Rand, outlived her husband, Frank, who drank himself to death. Uh, Frank actually told Barbara, uh, Nathaniel's ex-wife, that Rand had ruined his life. <laughs> Why do I feel like all Franks either die on the battlefield or from cirrhosis? It's just, if your name is Frank, you die in it's, combat or from liver failure. It's the mental battlefield. And a Frank is a very options. strong name. Yeah. Uh, Rand picked her new intellectual heir, that guy I mentioned before, Leonard Peikoff. Now, this dude, uh, she completely beat into the ground. Um, I mentioned I watched a lecture of him with him and the dude is just a complete drone uh she just would just like berate this dude hardcore i don't know if he fucks her probably but i mean he had like a weird mullet perm thing going on that's cool when I, yeah. mm. um but he would go on to find to found the ayn rand institute which is still around today I actually oh. watched an interview with their new head, this Israeli guy called Yaren Brook, who was on Ben Shapiro. And wow. it was like two chimps trying to fight over the used condom that fell into their cage. Wait, Ben Shapiro fighting one of these people. That's got to be really fun because um, he's he's fun when he gets angry. <sighs> they were like kind of in agreement, but... Except for the fact that Yaren Brook was like, I don't believe in God. And he's like, oh, well, obviously, capitalism is about the Judeo-Christian faith. Of course. Yeah. You know, we have to team together. You know, you eat cracker. I put oh. hat on head. And then Where'd we Tom make go? things happen. Where'd Tom go? <laughs> yeah. No, Ben Shapiro is uh, hilarious. Uh, he really is quite funny. I can't believe people take him seriously. Um <laughs> So there's that it, it, thought. It's it's literally like watch like your dad watching Reno nine one one and thinking it's actually like cops, right? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, that's what like, it is. Yes, yes. He's doing like he's doing like a cosplay of intellectualism and not correcting people when they when they take him seriously. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad that that's what he does. I feel really bad for his wife. Let's put it that way. So oh. before I get to the question, there is one other weird anecdote about 
uh, Ayn Rand that I want to talk about before she dies. So, as I mentioned, she kind of like there were times where she was trying to get her family out of Russia, but like things didn't work out because I told you like the Iron Curtain closed. But over the course of the century, most of her family died um, in Russia. I mean, not from like weird Russian gulags, just Old. people die. Yeah. 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 Um, Dying she, from a gooey log. One of the people that she thought died was her younger sister, Nora. Um, but she found out when that she, when she was in her 70s that Nora was still alive and living in the Soviet Russia. She was, re- yeah. she was retired. Um, her husband, I think, was like a machinist or something. That, that's got to be like an interesting demographic slash generation where like when you lose contact with a family member, it's just default assume they're dead. Yeah. Like yeah. if you fall out of touch, just assume they're de- not alive and unwilling to communicate with you. They're just dead. That's the easiest. That's the default expectation for like the demographic and generation of like Ayn Rand. Right. So Ayn Rand, she's got she's got some uh, people in powerful places. I mean, I mentioned Alan Greenspan. I think at this point of her life, um, he was like working for Gerald Ford or something in the administration. Real winner Um, there. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. uh, she arranged for her sister, Nora, to come visit her in the U.S. They got the, the right visas. You know, come to New York. I'll show you what freedom is. So Nora comes over. Rand is so excited about showing all these American freedoms and whatever. And Nora's just like, whoa, you live in this dump? The streets are so busy. Uh, There's no sense of community. And like, yeah, I might have to wait online when I'm in Russia for food. But like, I get a chance to talk to my neighbors, catch up. Like, this is a fucking hellhole you live in. Right. Yeah, it's two... There are two kinds of the coin... It's two sides of a coin, right? Mm -hmm. But the coin has come come out of an anus. Like, (laughs) one side isn't necessarily better than the other. They're both covered in shit. That's all I'm saying. Right. So Nora had a full-on breakdown when she went to the local Dwayne Reed or some shit and tried to pick out toothpaste. She's like, why are there so many fucking toothpastes? Like, in Russia, we have one toothpaste. Oh. Why do you need eight billion toothpaste? You literally had a breakdown in the store. You know what that's called? Do you know what I like calling that? Analysis paralysis. When you're given more than, like, eight options and you're just like, what the fuck? Why bother? Why Why have options if I'm given, like, fucking eight or ten of them? It, it sucks when your entire life feels like a diner menu. Pointless. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. just, I, I get that concern. Like, there's arguments to make for both ways. I don't know the right answer, but I totally understand that feeling of going, why does Crest in particularly have 30 of this brand? <laughs> like, can't they just do, we make your teeth nice? The, yeah. the paste. Ultra whitening, enamel protect. What the fuck is this? Yeah, but shouldn't I, they just be the best one? Like it has everything you need in it. Well, it's like, funny. no. I want my teeth not to be whitened, but like cavity correct. But we experience this today all the time, and we don't know. We don't have the emotional equipment to deal with like streaming services doing this to us. You know, every day it's like you gotta watch this, and then there's two ways of looking at it. Like you go into Netflix, they show you the hot documentary, and you don't want to watch it out of spite for Netflix, which you're that close to canceling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that the, hot Mormon one, the like we killed people because we're Mormon. You see that one? 
No, I didn't even see that one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there, man. I'm ready to cancel it. I'm gonna do it, guys. Don't push me any further. I'm gonna cancel my Netflix. But all I'm saying is, like, you know, how many times do you find yourself just going through Amazon Prime or Netflix or one of those things, and you just and you could do that for ten minutes. That's why I just watched Stargate. That's a good idea. Yeah. You're a genius. I'm gonna just get my VHS player, uh, my VHS machine going. My VCR. Don't you love that lo-fi texture? That's yeah. a good drip. Yeah, That's I'm a just good gonna watch drip. this. I'm just gonna watch my Three Stooges tape that I ripped off of TBS back yeah, in man. 1999. In Soviet Russia, you all one village has one VHS. You share. We all watch Wizard of Oz with commercials. In Soviet <laughs> Russia, each village has one VHS and no VCR. Yeah, right. So, so all I'm saying Rand, is, I get, I get that. Rand is fucking pissed that Nora's not like, "Oh my god, America, love it." She's like, yeah. "This oh. sucks. I hate New York. It's dirty. There's too many people." Could you imagine if she was on her way over to America, going, "There are no cats in America, <laughs> and the streets are made with cheese." Deep and then she gets cuts. there, and she's like, "I'm Rand, my sister. Your entire apartment is cats." <laughs> wow yeah so ayn rand completely writes no nora out of her life she actually went to her executor and like wrote any family members out of the will like explicitly nice to make That's sure that nora move. didn't get any money good and Dang nora man. was actually interviewed in the 90s after rand had died and she was like the funny thing is is like no matter how much my sister screamed about the immorals of altruism, altruism is the, from her family was the only reason why she was able to go to America. Love it, like the the charity mm. of from her family. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that that's like you front loaded that. I haven't been able to digest it. I'll, I guess I'll just die with this like blockage in my GI tract. Of Ayn Rand only being able to get to America with altruism. Yeah. So, you guys want to ask me the question? How do you do it? Travis William Lee, how did uh, this bitch cake die? So, Ayn Rand, uh, remember I said she Cruella DeVille smoked cigarettes all the time? Yeah. I do. She ended up losing a lung. They cut out a whole fucking lung because <sighs> of her smoking. She refused it's... to admit that it was the smoking, blaming it on the damn commies from her childhood. Okay. She's so much funnier if you just say she lost a lung like she's forgetful. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Oh, shit. And oh. on March 6th, 1982, the bitch queen, Ayn Rand, wow. died of heart failure. What the fuck age Not is the that? Lung. What, is, what is that, like 75? 70... She was born in 1905. Yeah. Like, 75. That's, so she, that's, she did it. Imagine, like... That's wacky what, shit. What ticked her off? You know what? What was the event that made the heart go, we're done here? Was she screaming in the middle of Times Square Sparrow going, let me use the bathroom? Oh, oh and they no. were like, no, it's for customers only. And she's just like, laissez-faire. Look at this tomato. Well, Tom pieced together everything. Well, she got all, uh, she, there in the book, it was like all like, uh, she got all mushy about Frank. Uh, and was like, oh, I'm going to die because I could be with him, even though I don't believe in heaven. Like that type of shit. Right. Okay. She sounds like an annoying person. I'll, I don't know if I said that before, but she really sounds annoying. Yeah. Also, I think uh, a point that I didn't super touch on, but also incredibly racist. I kind of uh, assumed yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, she went off. Uh, I mean, 
on wild tangents about Arabs being like not developed culture and the oh, fact that Indians didn't own pr- any property because they don't believe in it or and all that shit. And also, uh, like I said, like Jim Crow shit where she's like, everyone in America has freedom. It's like, nah, they don't. Right. Mm, yeah. Well, look, I mean, we've, you know, between us, we've done this show so many times where yeah. a lot of the people we cover, it's just kind of, are uh, they racist? Probably. Probably. They Was that probably part definitely. of their bag? Is that really a highlight anymore? We do historic deep dives on all kinds of weirdos. It's not, we don't really have that like big, like, and she was racist in our pocket <laughs> anymore. We don't have that ammo. It just happens that most of these people are that. But no, I was very surprised because I always thought that she was like this beacon of libertarianism, which she is, but like probably shouldn't be. Look, Jesus Christ is a beacon of Christianity, and that dude used to fuck. You know, yeah, you talk dude. a modern day Christian, they go, oh, no, no, no. You can't watch that movie, Little Women, because there's a single mother. <laughs> That's <laughs> obscene. So I I don't, don't do know. That. None of this adds up. But yeah, now you know. Now you know if you're a, a, a libertarian boy out there, maybe you shouldn't quote Ayn Rand. Yeah, but maybe it's fine. Look, I don't know. Like, I like to play devil's advocate. I, I end the day, it's all going to hell anyway. So think whatever you want. Just don't put a lot of stock in it. Just go to Buffalo Wild Wings with your boys when you can. Wear a mask and 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 uh, and share your friends. Yeah, with the world That's in a weird right. way, in a sexual way as well, in an extra sexual way. Yes. Travis, thank you very much. Way. I purposely, yes. I, I want to say this, that I did. You told me we're doing Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand a while ago. Um, I purposely didn't do any research. Now, I had heard some things, but like all the things I heard were through people who liked her. And that's alarming to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, I've never talked, spoke kindly about anyone. Like, why are you saying this to me? Um, well, so I made it a point to listen to your take on it. My, my very sexual socialist friend. <laughs> I want to hear what you said, and I feel like you did some, uh, I'm going to do some fact checking later for myself, but I feel like you did a nice picture paint there. Yeah, so this was actually the, one of the last conversations I had with my dad. I talked to him about that I was researching Ayn Rand, and he said from the fucking hospital bed, roast that bitch. (laughs) Which is amazing because he had decreased lung functionality. (laughs) Yeah, and he was like, fuck that whore. She's one of the people that fucking killed me. How about one sip to dick real quick? Yeah, sip a dick. Sip a dick. Cheers to Dick Lee. Yes. And Mm. (sighs) with that, I'm going to throw my laissez-faire out here. Oh, no. Patreon.com slash roastmortcast. I guess that's Give us your money. We're working on- We don't worry about child labor laws either. No, we don't. We have several kids that are working for us around the clock. Um, In all seriousness, we're working on on the Patreon thing. We know. We know. It's been weird times for us. We have a lot of shit going on, and we apologize to some of the page. I'm just throwing it out there publicly. We've been a little behind on some of the Patreon perks. But life is life is happening for well, us right now. Yeah, life's been weird. We're going to make it up to everyone here. Um, we're going to be putting out some more bonus content and stuff like that. Um, and we, we appreciate you. everyone we that's you. been hanging out with us and doing the Patreon thing and the Discord channel. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys you all. Are awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
So patreon.com slash roastmortemcast if you want. If not, no big deal. Go to social medias, roastmortemcast for both Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook. We don't use that one. But go, you know, if you're on it, go like it. It, it helps. There's a thing. Give us a review. Give us a five star. Give us a one star. Nothing in between. Okay. Give us an honest review. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I like more, ex- extremes only. I want more yes. people giving us one stars with location bias. Like, I went to Hawaii once. Fuck yeah, all yeah, of yeah. you. I heard one of you guys is from <laughs> Hawaii. Fuck Hawaii. There's like oh. this one palm tree that fell on my broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coconut killed my wife. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this podcast. Sorry, that was a that was a uh, that was actually a native, and you got too drunk and couldn't bang her out, and she got tired well, of you. <laughs> that wasn't a palm tree. Whatever. That was a man with a hat. All right. Anyway, thanks guys. Confusing. Um, Travis, thanks for the, doing the show. Good yeah. shit. Cody, Donald Shane. looking good. Thank Fucking you. being at it. Thank uh, you. Mike. Tom, keep getting Mike. yoked. <laughs> I'm yoked. All right, and thank you, Shane, for listening. Thank you. Donald Shane. Thank you Shane. everyone.